You may likely have heard me talk about one of my favorite products in several episodes called Adrenal Calm. It contains a unique blend of botanicals and nutrients that support the stress response, particularly promoting cortisol balance. Specifically, Adrenal Calm includes a blend of adaptogenic botanicals and nutrients formulated to counteract the effects of daily stress and support healthy energy levels. It also contains phosphatidylserine and L-theanine, both of which reduce that half-life of cortisol or, in other words, calm adrenaline. I love using this in the afternoon if I've had a stressful workday or before public speaking. It can also be taken on a daily basis as many of us have more daily stress now than ever before. If you're interested in learning more about adaptogenic herbs, read Chapter 6 of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint, and check out our product guide info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash adrenal hyphen calm. To get 10% off adrenal calm or L-theanine, use code calm at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the show. of men in the church view porn at least several times a week is a little higher in a non-faith-based community, but in the Christian community, that's a, a pretty high statistic. Welcome to the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Kyleen Terhune. Her name may sound familiar as I had her on season one early in episode five from Hodgkins to Healthmaker, where she shared how she integrated conventional and natural treatments for her cancer. Since that time, she has dealt with more trauma, something many of you may not have heard of before, specifically sexual betrayal trauma, and she's back on the show today to share this journey. Today, she'll share the importance of processing emotions and trauma, how trauma impacts the nervous system leading to symptoms and disease, the healing process for sex addiction and betrayal for couples, and ultimately what this looks like and what the pitfalls to avoid are. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Kyleen Terhune, who is the CEO and founder of the Phoenix Transformation Project where she works as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and NLP life coach, supporting women who have experienced sexual betrayal trauma. She helps her clients with a unique whole body approach that involves the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual aspect of the individual. This work includes functional lab work, nutrition, lifestyle, emotional work, nervous system support, trauma processing work, and more to assist women in feeling more complete, grounded, safe, independent, and confident in their health and in their bodies. As a successful functional health coach for six years, Kyleen has received additional education in trauma and its impact on the body through the Trauma Healing Accelerated Courses, Biology of Trauma, Energy Overwhelm and Freeze, Biology of Trauma Brain Health, and the Biology of Trauma Immune System. She also has certifications in NLP, NLP Life Coaching, QTT, and Hypnosis. Welcome to the show, Kyleen. Thank you, Stephanie. I love you so much. I'm just so excited to be here and I appreciate it. (laughs) On the intro to today's show, I shared how I previously interviewed you regarding your cancer journey. And since that time, you've had another journey. (laughs) So you're kind of an open book, which I so appreciate. Can you share with us what has happened since the last time we spoke and this new journey you're on? Yeah, my life uh, and my business because of that keeps evolving, right? So in... 2021, early 2021, it was like January 31st, um, I began the discovery process, um, finding out that my husband at the time, uh, we were married about eight years, and we had been together about 10, that he had a cyber sex addiction that was over a decade old. So it had started before we got married, I had no idea. 
I had asked him questions about pornography and we had, you know, very open conversations throughout our relationship about infidelity and porn and all this kind of stuff. And he was just as many addicts are very, very good at hiding it. And the thing with, um, with cyber sex and pornography and stuff, these are high functioning addicts, meaning there really is truly no way that you would know if they don't want you to know. That was a really life-changing day where I basically, a lot of people want to know how it happened. I basically, we were, I woke up that morning thinking, we're going to budget. This is going to be great. (laughs) We're going to cancel all our recurring fees. You know, this is going to be so good. Well, he had very kindly, you know, as I assume, printed out all of our expenditures from the credit card statement. So I didn't actually have to go in and look at the credit card. And I'm thinking, oh, this is so nice. You know, it's all organized. And we're going and we are, we're checking off all these recurring fees. Hey, we don't need this. Hey, we don't need this. This is so great. You know? And then I found one that I knew about. It was like a fitness app and I just couldn't figure out how to cancel the monthly membership. And because it was an app, I thought, well, maybe it's, you know, when you you purchase it through your phone, the app store or whatever. So I said, Hey, give me your phone. Let me go in check. Well, if you scroll down and purchase apps that were previously purchased and deleted apps that I could tell were not appropriate. And so that really started the conversation. And of course, in the beginning, he was very much in denial, didn't want to tell me the truth or the whole truth, really tried not to let on. But his stress response was very interesting because I was like, this is not not the stress response of someone telling the truth. His heart was beating really hard. I could just tell that he was extremely stressed um, when I found this. And I talked to him about that and he goes, well, you know, I just, I don't want you to think that I would ever do anything like that because I know how you feel about it. And I know what that means to you. And I would never want to be accused of something that I didn't do in that area. And, you know, so all of these lies. Um, Within the next 24 to 48 hours, he actually started confessing. So this is something that he had really struggled with for a long time. He had tried many times on his own to quit. He felt very convicted within the first two to three days, started coming out. Then I went into major uh, detective and, you know, kind of lawyer mode. I was asking him all the questions, um, millions of questions, probably at that point. We were essentially locked in our room for about two to three days while I was just figuring out what the heck is going on. Because at that point, and any woman that has ever been through this will understand you wake up one morning and find out you're, you're essentially living the Truman Show. You know, you go, this is not my life. The life that I've been living is not reality. The marriage I was in, the relationship I was in. You look back at pictures, you go, were you cheating on me that day? Did you cheat on me that day? Did you, you know, that was really hard. I had a friend that was, had gone through something similar. So it was very soon into it, like maybe two days before I had 100% of the information. (laughs) I was just getting pieces at that time. Even with that, I reached out to her and she pointed me in the right direction. And you know, kind of, as I mentioned before we started recording, there's a very clear path to healing and that's not talked about enough. And so I was so thankful. I am so thankful that she had talked to me before this happened because she kind of started guiding me immediately with into the right resources. So then my husband got into a support group week one, literally week one. And then he was in trauma therapy for sex addiction week two. How did you find that? I mean, how did you, yeah. you knew where to put him? How did I just feel like for listeners, I, it's so hard to even get into a therapist period right now. Like have them have oh two gosh. year waiting list, like, which is another problem in me. But <laughs> No, you're right. And, and I will say too, the type of therapy is called CSAT, Certified Sex Addiction Therapist. And there aren't a lot of them and there aren't a lot of them in every area. And then if you find one, they're not always going to fit in with your 
Uh, maybe if you have a faith background or all the belief systems. And so it is hard because what I found is that just because you have that certification doesn't mean you're the best therapist for this person. And that's really unfortunate because there's already not enough of them. But the type of therapy that he went to immediately was a CSAT. We were very lucky because we have a place that's about 45 minutes away from us that um, has several CSATs and they do different trauma modalities as well, like EMDR or brain spotting. And so uh, we were incredibly blessed that my husband got paired with the therapist that he got paired with because he is absolutely so smart and, and compassionate and kind and just honestly for my husband, the perfect person. So then a few months into it, then I got into CSAT therapy and EMDR and trauma therapy and all this kind of stuff too. So we both jumped in. I was a little delayed, you know, because in the beginning I was like, hey man, this is this is your problem. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> but that's the thing with the wives too. And I really want to talk about that is when this happens, if you choose to stay in your relationship, and, and honestly, even if you don't, because the trauma has been experienced and it needs to be processed. But particularly if you stay in this relationship, the spouses really do. They You have to get the trauma dealt with. You have to. If you are seeing that your husband is doing all the work and you're staying in the relationship and he's going through the recovery process, and then you're over here not healing your emotional wounds and the trauma that was inflicted because of this betrayal, that causes a huge dynamic shift in the relationship. And it's it's usually not good. There's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of bitterness. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of power dynamics that become an issue. It's not a fun relationship at that point. I think I cut you off too, because you said week one, you were doing something. Week two, you're in therapy. Then, yeah, so week okay. one, my husband got into a support group. Oh, support and, group. And, and again, we were really lucky because there's a group that we absolutely love called Conquer. And it is a combination of a faith-based and therapeutic approach. And that's one of the um, things that I think is just really amazing about that program. Because a lot of times you find them very separate, right? You find a therapeutic approach or, you know, a lot of people will go to like their pastor or a biblical counselor, people that have absolutely no training in sex addiction or betrayal or trauma. And sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of the time you'll end up getting hurtful or unhelpful advice from those situations. And so the Conquer program, which is a, I believe it's a 10 week support group program for these men um, goes through the clinical, the therapeutic stuff so that they understand, Hey, you do have to deal with your trauma. You have to start identifying your emotions. Here's what happens to your brain on porn. It looks worse than a brain on heroin. Like literally, if you look mm. at the scan, it damages your brain. So it teaches them all these things. It, it helps them take personal responsibility for their behavior. It helps them make amends. It, it does all these really cool things and has the faith-based combination with it as well. So they're, they're journaling every day. Um, they have Bible verses that go with it. It's just it's a really great combination. And that's under Pure Desire Ministries, who does a lot of that work. And they have different programs as well. But we were lucky. So he was in that week one. And he's repeated that multiple times. And then now he he's in a group for himself. And he also leads two groups as well. Awesome. Thank you for those resources. I will, for the listeners, post links to those in the show notes. I'll make sure to get... Yeah. So tell us some surprising statistics about sex addiction and betrayal yeah. trauma. So this is really, um, you know, one of the hardest things is how prevalent it is. And we live in a society that likes to be happily in denial about this, I think, especially in the Christian community, unfortunately. And when I started discovering, first of all, my husband, who's the last person, I mean, literally anybody that knows him, you never in a million years would have guessed that this person had a sex addiction. I mean, just absolutely crazy. And so when I started 
learning about this whole world, the statistics really blew me away. So 37% of men in the church view porn at least several times a week is a little higher in a non-faith-based community, but in the Christian community, that's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty high statistic. And I bet it's higher Um, than that because those are probably reported statistics. Exactly. So it's probably higher than that. Yeah. When you add in pastors and sort of the just general population, it's about 50% of them in some level of a problem, whether it's, you know, once a month or however long. Only about 7% of churches have um, resources in place to help help these people. Um, And this does happen. And people point this out to me all the time, too. It does happen with women as well. There are women sex addicts out there. There are women that look at pornography. It it, it is just a less, it's a less intense percentage. It's much smaller. 93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to pornography before 18 and 14% of boys and 9% of girls before the age of 13. And those numbers are kind of old. So those are actually, the ages are getting younger and younger. So boys are being exposed now at like 9, 10, 11 years old, easily, easily at that age. Part of what you have to understand about pornography and technology and addiction is this is like a, a compilation of things that's happening here. The prevalence of it is increasing tremendously. The ease of access because of technology is so much easier Technology itself has um, addictive qualities to it. Pornography gives you a dopamine hit and you're getting exposed to it at an age before your uh, prefrontal cortex is fully developed. And so they are getting exposed. There's typically trauma involved. So if there is an addiction, the, the prevalence of addiction is directly correlated to the prevalence of trauma in someone's life versus someone just choosing to do it or being able to stop, etc. So if someone has a lot of trauma in their childhood, then they're much more likely with this early exposure to develop an addiction. And then with betrayal trauma, uh, one of the most shocking statistics that I think people don't recognize about this is 70% of women that discover this in their relationships, this level of betrayal, end up with PTSD-like symptoms. So they're having trouble sleeping, they're having intrusive thoughts, they're having hypervigilance, they're having extreme anxiety, they're having all of these emotions. And, you know, women that go through this, they equate the emotional despair with uh, physical affairs. And, and in my mind, there is no difference. I think if you, uh, you know, choose sexual arousal outside your marriage, you're having an affair. It doesn't matter if there's a screen in between you or not. It, it You know, it's the same thing. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the episode. I was telling you before we started recording that this is interesting because yesterday I had a female patient who had been married 50 years who broke down in tears, unfortunately, during her office visit, sharing that her husband, I mean, she had felt betrayed. Her husband had an emotional affair. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, what resources can I give her? And I gave her the post-betrayal 
Institute. I think it's called PBT Institute. Um, for from a former guest, Debbie Silver, I had on the show. But other than that, I'm thinking, what resources do these patients have, and how do providers handle these situations? And so I'm really glad that you are, you know, bringing this uh, to the table today. But my next question to you was, how does betrayal impact the nervous system? And you kind of just answered that question, which is similar to how she was complaining of symptoms yesterday, having the insomnia, having the anxiety right? Almost to the point where she needed some medication. And so let's stay on that for a moment here. So how does betrayal impact our health? Like I mentioned earlier, when you kind of wake up and realize your life isn't what you thought, one of the reasons that women that go through betrayal that have experienced other traumas lump betrayal in such an intent, at such an intense level is because it's coming from the person that you trusted most, right? You're the most vulnerable with this person. You share your body with this person. You share your fears and your insecurities and your life goals with this person, right? There's nobody on earth that you are as intimate with as you are this person. And this person that you trust the most just ripped the rug underneath you. With your nervous system, basically what happens is you immediately go into fight or flight, into sympathetic. And this is a highly activated system that is highly energy dependent. And it takes up a ton of nutrients when you're living in this system. And really, you have two options at this point. You can either get to safety and you're actually living with somebody that your brain is now viewing as dangerous. So part of the healing process is establishing safety. I I talk about this all the time. (laughs) I I guess I kind of harp on it, but establishing safety is incredibly important. And that can be done in a couple of ways. I'm happy to go into that, but it has to be done as the foundation of recovery because of your nervous system. When your nervous system is in fight or flight, you can either get to safety, which is what it's constantly seeking so that it can get back into parasympathetic so it can calm down. That's where healing can occur. Or when you can't get to safety, let's say your husband continues to relapse or you're not able to set boundaries or, you know, just whatever's happening, there's not safety and you're continually in this fight or flight, then you can drop down into the other part of your nervous system, which is the freeze and overwhelm. And so a lot of women will find that they are rotating between the overwhelm and the sympathetic state. And so they're experiencing anxiety, they're experiencing depression. When you get into overwhelm, That is your body's version of really trying to rescue you, to save you, to reserve energy because the sympathetic is so energy dependent and it takes up so much of your reserves. So you can't live up there. Like You you physically cannot stay there permanently. So then your body will drop you down into overwhelm so that it can save what it needs to and protect you. And But unfortunately, that feels like freeze. It feels like overwhelm. feels like depression. Everything feels hard. Dinner feels overwhelming. I don't want to get out of bed today. You know, that is your body trying to protect you, but it's also not fun. And so a lot of women will find themselves rotating between these two, sometimes multiple times during the day or during the weeks or during the months as they begin to process all this. When safety is established, you can then kind of go between parasympathetic and sympathetic, depending on what's going on. But the the, the safety, that foundation is absolutely crucial. It's really non-negotiable if you want to get to the healing process and through recovery. So how do they establish safety? I mean, that was literally my next question for you is what's the healing process um, for a woman who's been betrayed? Because you said there's this clear process to healing. So please tell us. Yeah. (laughs) So how do they establish safety if that's step one? Yeah. So safety involves quite a few things, but part of that is dependent on your spouse, right? So if they are constantly relapsing, that's constantly going to trigger you. And really kind of taking the time to set boundaries around that. So 
they can play a huge role in this. So men that want to recover can recover. And I want to say this very clearly because it is not talked about enough. And I know that people, (laughs) there are people that disagree with me, but I don't really care. (laughs) It's possible to recover without a relapse. And the way I think that's possible, first of all, my husband did it and lots of other men have done it. But the way that that is possible is that their heart is, is truly wanting recovery and they have the tools and resources and they, they use them. Those are, if you have the combination of those things, you can absolutely recover without relapsing. If someone does relapse, you know, sometimes that's the, the bottom that the guy has to hit in order to finally get into true recovery. But if, if that does happen, you have to use it as a stepping stone. What, what triggered this? What was my pattern? How can I learn from this? So I don't repeat this, you know, that sort of thing. But I want to be very clear because I don't, I think empowerment and how you speak to your subconscious through this process is incredibly important. If you don't believe that you can recover without relapse, guess what? You're going to relapse because it's the pattern that your brain is used to. And it's what it's used to going to, to self-medicate the trauma. But if you tell yourself, Hey, I know there are steps to healing and I can actually get into recovery and I don't have to relapse. All I have to do is learn how to manage my emotions. Oh, by the way, feeling anxiety is totally okay. It's part of life and expect that through the process. Here's the steps. You know, I need to go to trauma therapy. I need to actually start processing all these traumas that got me into this. I need to understand the pattern of behavior that got me into this. I need to understand the emotions that I am self-medicating. When they do this and then they get into a support group and they're being honest, they're being vulnerable, they're being intentional, they're doing their homework, you don't have to relapse. And so it's really a matter of being willing to feel the pain that it takes to process the trauma. That is huge. And that is probably one of the biggest things that I see addicts and betrayed spouses not wanting to do because it hurts. And we're already in a lot of pain. So that doesn't sound fun to us. Yep. So do these, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, betrayal trauma specialists help them with that? Some do. Yes. So let's step into how to heal for the betrayed spouse. And I'll kind of answer that question. So for the man, you're, you're doing trauma therapy, emotional processing, you're getting into community because community is the opposite of addiction. They're reaching out to their community and they're doing the work. Those that's how you can get into recovery and and their heart has to be in the right place. I like how you said that community is the opposite of addiction. That was good. Yeah, it, it, it really is. So for, for women, for the betrayed spouse, the healing process is actually very similar. You have to process and deal with your own emotions and your own trauma as well. So that is a very uncomfortable process. Now, if you're like me, you had complex trauma. You had a lot of stuff that you brought into the relationship. But then when this happened, it brought up all the trauma debris and anything that was not fully processed also came up through this and exacerbated it and made it more painful. That can be a lot for somebody to deal with. For other women, maybe this this is the primary event in your life. This is the biggest trauma you've experienced. It's, it's unlike anything else that you've experienced. And you still have to process that. It's bringing up its own new beliefs. You create you create limiting beliefs about yourself. A lot of women in these situations create beliefs about, um, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not beautiful enough. You know, all these different things. It's my fault, you know, whatever it is, which is not, by the way, I want to make that very clear that anyone that is married to an addict, you had no responsibility. They're responsible for their own behavior. I don't, and I really, it doesn't matter if you had a, you know, let's say contentious relationship before, or if you had a perfect relationship, or if you are the most beautiful woman in the world, it doesn't matter because addiction is based on trauma and that has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. I'm glad you said that because this patient yesterday that I've referred to previously, part of her, you know, challenge right now is that her husband is blaming her. You know, he said, you know, you weren't fulfilling some need for me. 
Mm-hmm. And so then she's saying, so he's saying it's my fault that I have a role in this. And, you know, <laughs> oh, she's yeah, yeah. questioning. So preach yeah, to yeah, those women. Com- yeah. yeah, very common because um, in my first marriage, so I've been married and cheated on and divorced and I've been married and um, cheated on and I've stayed. And there, there's a reason for that. They're two very different relationships. They're two very different human beings. And they're two very different responses to their behavior. And in my first marriage, it was all my fault, according to him. <laughs> and in this one, my husband took full responsibility and said, no, absolutely. You had nothing to do with this. So yeah. So for the woman, the, the foundation of healing, like I said, is creating that safety. It's an absolute must. And she can do this in a few ways. Her husband plays a big role because he's going to blow up the foundation constantly if he is relapsing, right? Like that's going to hurt. On, but we can't control them, right? We have no control over what they do whatsoever. So what can we do to provide safety in our own in our own life? Well, that involves being brave and setting boundaries. And this is really hard for a lot of women. I talk about boundaries a lot because they are incredibly important. Now, here's the thing about boundaries I think a lot of women don't understand. They can actually play a huge role in your husband's recovery because they need boundaries. And it's very uncomfortable to be a parent to your husband, but they're an addict and they need that temporarily. Some boundaries that may that you may set may have to do around physical affection and intimacy and sex. You know, you don't want to be overriding your nervous system if you're viewing this person as unsafe, right? And if you don't want to have sex with someone, you don't want to do it because you think that they will relapse if you don't. That's that's not true, okay? And if they're making you believe that, that's not true. They're relapsing for another reason. It's not because you're not giving them sex. So some women having sex with their partner during this process and some aren't. And you kind of have to make that decision on your own. There is a 90-day sobriety uh, abstinence uh, recommendation. I highly recommend that for the man because, uh, you know, if the brain patterns, you want to disrupt the pattern, you want to get the rush of chemicals to be done, um, you want to kind of start resetting his, his neural pathways and all these kinds of things. Plus, it gives him the confidence after decades of addiction behavior that he can have self-control and choose another path. When a guy gets through the 90 days of sobriety after decades of addiction, it's incredibly empowering for him. You don't want to take that away. Sometimes women are, want to be so nice to their partner, right? They love their partner. It's me. It's not pornography, right? But that 90 days can be a really, really important part of their recovery. And so I highly recommend it. Everybody has to make their own decision on that, but I do highly recommend it. So establishing safety includes supporting your own nervous system. So you can do that with some somatic work. You can do that with working with practitioners. I recommend highly getting into trauma therapy and group support for the women as well. So like I said, it's a very similar process. And then you, over the first, oh, I don't know, six months or so, you're kind of watching to see what happens with your husband. Is he sincere about this? And is this going to be a real recovery process? Is the trajectory moving in the direction we want it to? Or what's that look like? And here's here's the deal with, with these guys. They will make it very clear. They're either on board or they are not on board. And you have to trust their behavior in this. Not their words. You have to trust their behavior. And they're going to demonstrate pretty quickly if they're willing to do the work that it takes to establish trust. So if you have somebody that is um, gaslighting you, blaming you, manipulating you, they're not willing to go to therapy for their behavior. And they're not willing... You know, that that really tells you a clear, a clear story. Versus if you have somebody that says, no, this is my issue. I'm willing to work on it. I take responsibility for it. Recovery really starts looking like a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion, a lot of proactive work. Now, this isn't going to happen like the first couple of days, right? Because addict brain is a real thing. There's a lot of denial and lying and, and stuff. But but as they kind of come out of that through this process, it'll become very clear very quickly which path you're on. So you've kind of already mentioned 
what recovery looks like. Well, actually, let's break this down. You, you've just dropped so much on us. You, you sound like you've kind of gone through this 10 years ago. You just sound so experienced. And so, <laughs> but you're right. You've had the right tools to help you get to this point. And I feel like you got to this point rather quickly, quite frankly. <laughs> but let me go back and just have you clarify. So the healing process for a woman versus a man. So for a woman, you're saying set boundaries, establish safety, get in therapy, trauma therapy. Any other major points there? Get into a support group. Really support important. Group. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's then for validate the... your experience and and, yeah. and bring that up. The world really doesn't understand how you feel. It's just people can have compassion. There are empathetic people that can have compassion and be kind. But if you haven't experienced it, there's just it's just, just not know. quite yep. the same. Yep. And then parallel to that, for a man, very similar. But can you outline those real quickly again? What for the recovery the, for process the... for a man? Yeah. What that for looks like. Yeah. Yeah. So for him, it's it's a lot of the same. It's trauma therapy with a CSAP specifically. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I always, for both parties, for the male and the female, I always recommend working with practitioners that have trauma modalities in addition to talk therapy. So that is a huge thing that I talk about, whether it's EMDR, brain spotting, what I do, which is subconscious reprogramming, all that kind of stuff. The point Ooh, let's is... Let's go there. But finish yeah, what you're saying. <laughs> to, to get... To, to use uh, exercises that help your brain process the trauma outside of talking mm-hmm. about really important. So for both parties, you're going to trauma therapy, you're going to support a group. For the guy, he is learning how to identify his emotions. He's learning different coping mechanisms, healthy coping mechanisms. And he has, has a community now to reach out. He's identified the pattern of behavior so that he can be proactive about it. So for what I mean by that is a lot of them self-medicate before they actually feel anxiety, right? Well, through this process, they're going to start feeling anxiety and fear and insecurity and all these things that they've been self-medicating. So they need to start identifying that so that when they feel those, what do they do? They reach out to their support group and they are proactive instead of reactive. There's something called a faster scale where they can actually check off how they're feeling every single day. And the reason this is important is because if they drop down on the emotional scale and they stay there, it's predictive of a relapse up to two weeks in advance. So the reason that's important is because if you drop down and you're proactive and you get the support and you start processing it, it's the opposite. You're being proactive about staying in recovery, even if at that day you don't feel triggered to relapse. Sure. Awesome. Let's go back to trauma processing. I know today's interview is more on sexual betrayal trauma, but there's all types of trauma, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I think, thankfully, is more coming to the forefront, although we're still very short on practitioners who can help with this. But I've had a couple different guests talk about trauma and trauma processing. So can you break down a couple of those? You mentioned EMDR, and then you said subconscious processing. Yeah, so what I do is subconscious reprogramming. Yeah, and then actually, it's very similar to EMDR. So let me start with EMDR, because this is more common. When Mm -hmm. when we find a CSAT, you may find a CSAT that has EMDR. That's going to be probably one of the most common pairings. So EMDR is... Basically, you, you can use a light bar. You can use paddles in your, in your hands that vibrate all alternating sides. Um, it's stimulating both sides of the body in some way or fashion, um, to connect your brain in a way that's using both sides of your brain. And so what this does is basically the process is, I like the paddles. So I'll just use that as an example. You hold the paddles in your hand, you set the vibration pattern and you start with the feeling of of discomfort. So I'm triggered because I can't get over XYZ. Excuse me. I have a um I have an image of this in my head. It's it's really bothering me and it brings up anxiety in my chest. Okay, cool. We're gonna start there. 
I have the paddles are going on. I close my eyes, literally just let your brain come up with where it wants to go based on this feeling. You start there. And because it's connecting both of both sides of your brain, what it does is it begins filing it away. So what I noticed with EMDR is that it goes through this filing system of what emotions and experiences in life before this were similar or connected in some way. And so it pulls up these different memories and go, oh my gosh. And then that kind of makes the connection. Oh my gosh, I never thought about that. And it starts connecting some dots for you in personal experiences. The thing that can happen with EMDR, you want to get to a point at the end of the session where you feel calm and okay to let it go. But but occasionally, you know, if you're really in deep processing, your session may end and that's not the case. So it can be a really, really, really helpful tool. I found it to be very helpful. I used it a lot the first year, a lot. But the idea is that you are helping your brain file away and organize the trauma experience so that it holds less emotional charge. That's the idea with that. That works very differently than talking about the trauma because your brain doesn't connect, uh, make all those connections the same way. So subconscious reprogramming works very similarly. And this is what I do with my betrayal client. It works similarly in connecting those dots. But what I like about it is that we go to the original. We ask the subconscious to take you back to the original event. So what I mean by that is when I said EMDR kind of connects these dots of what felt the same. Between the ages of like 0 and 7, we experience all these emotions for the first time, right? Anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, and shame. And that is kind of imprinted on our brain the first time it happens. So maybe you're reaching up for your dad to hold you uh, at the grocery store or something. And he's busy, right? He's pushing the cart. And he says, no, not right now. And you feel rejected. Oh, man. Okay. So three years old, that's the first time you felt rejected. That's not your dad's fault. And looking back at this as an adult, you're like, okay, you know, whatever. But in your childhood body, your nervous system registers that as rejection. And so then it creates this little bucket of rejection that anything that feels like that in the future gets put into that bucket. And then you have this grouping of memories and events and feelings that all are sort of the same that are listed as rejection. So when we are adults, we're kind of carrying all these buckets around with us. And it changes the filter that we view the world with. Because if you're having an interaction with someone as an adult that triggers one of these buckets, that may not be realistic for the current situation. If we're pulling all this previous stuff with us and we're interpreting it in a certain way based on that filter. So with subconscious reprogramming, we don't start with the current discomfort. We actually go to the original. So we can go to that original emotion, event, and we just ask your brain basically to take us there. And it does. There's a, there's a process to do this. But what we're doing is we're tapping into the subconscious. It guides the whole process. We're not forcing anything. And saying about your subconscious is if it's not safe to bring it up and process it, it won't. So it will only bring up what it's ready to process. So it's a, it's very important to kind of know that because some people are afraid tapping into the subconscious or dealing with trauma. So that's an important thing to know. But we go back to that. And then one thing that's different than the MDR is we pull positive learnings from it. So what is it from this event that you learn? that you want to keep with you. That's a positive thing to take with you in life. So we pull out all of those. And that's actually a really cool experience. You want to talk about the nervous system? That is a very positive parasympathetic experience. And it's really cool. It helps you feel more open and aligned. And it's a really cool process. So then you take all these positive learnings, you apply them to all the other experiences in 
life between that event and today. And you're able to come away from that experience feeling lighter, feeling more grounded, feeling more aligned, feeling more positive, feeling more hopeful. It's really, really, really cool. So different, but very similar in some ways, but very effective. We can do work similar to this to deal with the big emotions, like what I call the primary colors. So anger, sadness, fear, the ones I mentioned earlier. Um, We can do limiting beliefs. So like I mentioned earlier, we create beliefs based on the events and experiences in our life. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not pretty enough. This, you know, all these different things about who you are. So we can identify what those beliefs are. Take some time. I take time with my clients to figure out what replaces that. What do we want to replace that with? What's the new identity moving into the future? And we'll do exercises to replace those. And we can do it with conflicting parts too. So we have parts, you know, all parts of us are trying to help us. So if even if you have anxiety, anxiety is trying to help you, right? It's trying to protect you. It's part of that nervous system that says, this is danger. And I want to help you get to safety. And in order for you to do that, you need to kind of be aware that this is dangerous, right? Or this is uncomfortable. And I want you to be aware. You know, there's a lot of reasons that we have these emotions. But when we have emotions, they're serving you in some way. But it may be in conflict with another part. Part of me wants to do this. And part of me wants to do this, right? And so we can actually uh, integrate the parts with these exercises as well. That really brings you to the place where, oh, they both want the same thing. They're both trying to help me. And then it helps you feel more calm and make better decisions, make clearer decisions, I guess I should say, um, from that place. So there's a lot that the subconscious reprogramming can do. And literally, we're just using your brain to do it. We don't use any external devices. We don't use any... It's not magic. It's literally... It's just your brain, but it's incredibly effective. Beautiful. Yeah. Interesting. I hadn't heard about that one yet. (laughs) You've probably heard a lot about fish oil. It's one of the most common supplements available after all. But have you wondered if you should be taking it and why you might want to think about it? The simple answer is yes. If you don't have access to fresh fish several times per week, you can likely benefit from supplementation and may even need to. I test many of my patients' fatty acid levels and have found that the overwhelming majority of my patients are low in omega-3s. Omega-3 fatty acids are essential cornerstones of human nutrition. They are deemed essential because we need them for proper health, much like certain vitamins and minerals, but unfortunately we can't produce them on our own. As a result, our only option is to consume these fats either through our diet or through supplementation. Omega-3 fatty acids are known to benefit cardiovascular health, support healthy brain function and cognition, and have been proven to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. For all these reasons, achieving the proper balance of omega-3s is an important health strategy, one for which most people require supplementation. Simplified. Fish oil can help improve your cholesterol, glucose, help your memory, reduce pain, even headaches and menstrual cramps. I typically start my patients with 1 to 2 grams or 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams per day of combined eicosapentaenoic acid, which is EPA, and docosahexaenoic acid, which is DHA daily. Our Your Longevity Blueprint Omegas are stabilized in vitamin E oil and rosemary extract is used to ensure maximum purity and freshness. This exclusive fish oil is purified, vacuum distilled, and independently tested to ensure heavy metals, pesticides, and polychlorinated biphenyls, PCBs, are removed to undetectable levels. Plus, our fish oil has the shortest sea-to-shelf time, meaning from fish to bottle or capsule, of only 3 to 6 months, as compared to the industry average of 18 to 36 months. Seriously, that means most of the fish oil you buy over-the-counter is old, oxidized, rancid, and not helpful. That fish oil purchased over-the-counter could be 3 years old already before you ingest it. Yuck. With over 10,000 published studies in the last three decades, EPA and DHA from fish oil are among the most researched natural ingredients available and have a long history of safety and efficacy. 
Check out more product information on our website, yourlongevityblueprint.com, and use code OMEGA3s for 10% off. Now let's get back to the show. So tell us how you work with clients. So how are you supporting women in their recovery journeys? Yeah, so I have several options. So one that I'm really excited about is called Tara Hope Alliance. This is a nonprofit that I started to offer scholarships to women to get the trauma therapy. What we do with Tara Hope Alliance is we pair them with a trauma therapist for six months and pay for their trauma therapy. So you can go to tarahopealliance.org and you can donate. Or if you're in Ohio, you can apply for that. There's such a need, right? The addiction in some aspects can cost a lot of money. My husband spent money on the addiction. So that was a ton of money. But other times, there's no money involved in the addiction itself. But there's a ton of money involved in the recovery. And the women are prioritizing their husband's recovery and support and group and therapy and all this kind of stuff. And you know that costs a lot of money. So we just wanted to provide an option for anyone that's in financial need. And so right now, we're based in Ohio. But we are looking to expand. So we want to... uh, If people have CSATs or APSATs or trauma therapists that would be perfect for this we in other states, we want to know because we want to connect and interview them and create lists and partnerships and stuff like that so that we can help women outside of Ohio. But right now, that's in Ohio. And then the way I work with women one-on-one is through the Phoenix Transformation Project. And this is a four-month intensive course where they have weekly coaching sessions with me. And this is where we're going to do all of the intense trauma work. So we do all the emotional processing and the trauma processing in those sessions. And then there are online modules that assist them in the education part of, you know, what understanding how their nervous system works, understanding the subconscious mind. There's a physical health module, things like that. So I can't totally erase my functional medicine gut health background that's in there. So, um, So this is a a four-month intensive where I send them a neurotransmitter panel. We look at their brain chemistry because there's so much anxiety and depression involved. We want to hit that from multiple angles. I want to be able to support their brain chemistry physically. I want to help them learn how to support their nervous system. And then I want to do all of the subconscious reprogramming and trauma work to help them actually release everything that is causing so much emotional weight in their body. So that's kind of the Phoenix Transformation one-on-one. It involves all of those aspects, the physical, mental, and emotional there. And then I just released a course called What's Next for the women who just discovered the betrayal. And this is really everything you need to know for the first three to six months. So who the heck do I reach out to? Like you were saying, like what providers are going to be the most helpful? I, I teach you what to look for. Who in your support circle is going to be safe for you to talk to? I kind of walk you through deciding that. I help you understand about trauma. I have a whole module on understanding the addict brain because I think understanding the addiction side of it is really important because it does allow us to have empathy and compassion without excusing the behavior. And so I think that's really uh, important as well. So What's Next is available. Um, it's sort of a DIY. You It sets you up with all the information that you need to kind of get started on your journey. And then I have the more intense for women that are a little bit further along in their journey. They're really ready to take that next step. They're really ready to process the trauma and move forward in their recovery. And that's kind of the Phoenix Transformation one-on-one. Awesome. Great resources. Two more questions. Well, actually, three yeah. more questions. <laughs> um, so what ultimately... I mean, you... You've summed a lot up in this interview, but what is your primary message through, you know, your journey and through all these, you know, courses, one that you've created? What's the biggest message that you're hoping to share through all this? 
Yeah, I think I want to share that recovery is possible. So like I mentioned for the addict, recovery is, yep. is absolutely possible. If there's a heart paired with the resources, you're good to go. Um, and for the betrayed partner, again, recovery is possible. And the thing about this is recovery is possible when you have a partner that's willing to do the work. And recovery is possible when you separate and you are willing to do work. So either way, you can recover. What I find very difficult is when one partner is doing the work and the other one's not. And that is going to constantly stunt your growth. You may be able to work on some of your limiting beliefs. You may be able to build some self-confidence. You may be able to do... But if your partner is constantly blowing up your foundation of safety, you're not going to reach that ultimate pinnacle of recovery because your brain will simply not allow you. It's, it's physiologically impossible for your brain and nervous system to fully recover and get into a true deep recovery with grounding and safety and joy and peace when your environment is not safe. So when there is a part, when there are two partners that are willing to recover, awesome. That's the best case scenario, right? And then if you do separate, I just encourage the women to pursue the healing anyway, because if this is unhealed and there, there are things kind of hanging around, you're going to take that into life. Like we talked about those filters, you're walking through the betrayal filter now. And you're going to, every interaction you have, every future relationship you have is going to be based on that. But there is a clear path to healing. And when you're willing to process the trauma and do the work, it's totally possible. Mic drop. Yay. (laughs) So tell us lastly, where can listeners find you? So obviously the Phoenix Transformation Project, right? Yeah. So uh, Instagram, TikTok, at Kylie Interhune, just my name. And then if you want to connect on Facebook, it is private Facebook group called Recover You, just the letter U, recovering the letter U. And uh, so those are the three places you can connect. I have links like in, in my bios and stuff where you can book a call if you're interested in doing that. And um, yeah. And do check out her social media because I know you basically, this is kind of how I found out about this journey you're on was through your social media. I thought, holy mm-hmm. cow, this girl's going through so much right now, which is why I also think you will eventually write another book, which is going to be amazing. <laughs> I have thought about it. I yeah. have thought about it. Oh, you have to, you have to. But yes, please check out her social media because there's a lot, a lot of information there as well. And then as you know, because you've been on the show before, I always conclude each episode asking my listeners their top longevity tip. So I don't remember what you said before, but what do you mm-hmm. say this time? Yeah, would it be different? Uh, wow, I think I feel like I'm harping on it on this episode, but you know, I've learned so much about trauma and emotional processing. Yep. I am truly convinced that when you have stuck emotions in the body, over time they develop into symptoms and disease. And they show up in so many different ways for so many different people, whether it's fatigue or anxiety or depression. And that's the thing too about having that physical aspect that's very unique to the betrayal trauma coaching that I do having that physical support. Because if you go to therapy or you go to betrayal trauma coaching, you know, they don't have the functional medicine background to be bringing in the physical support. But the reality is that when you're dealing with trauma like this, you're probably also dealing with painful periods and digestive issues and, you know, headaches and all these things that kind of come because of the tremendous amount of stress. And then over time, you know, that that can just be you're living up in the sympathetic and it's causing all these problems like we talked about earlier. But over time, and I mean, years and decades when you and you see this, when people are carrying around unprocessed and stuck trauma, it's going to impact you on a deeper level. And so longevity wise and optimal health wise, processing that and being willing and honest enough with yourself to say, yeah, I've been through some stuff that I need to process. 
I think is is absolutely huge. And then finding the right practitioner that you trust. Because I mean, during this process, it is a vulnerable one. And so you really want to work with someone that you that you trust and you feel safe with. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much today for coming again on the show. I've had very few guests on more than once. So (laughs) I'm honored. And just sharing the specific type of trauma and then how you really can just help men and women through their healing journeys. This was wonderful. And I, I think this is something that isn't often talked about. And so I'm just delighted that you're bringing more awareness to this and providing some resources. And again, for the listeners, I'll get links and post all of these in the show notes. So please connect with Kyleen um, if you are in need. Thanks again. Wow, what a story. I'm honored she has again shared such a personal experience to the benefit of others. She wants you to heal from your trauma and finally we have resources to help. I can't echo how much I agree with her that community is the opposite of addiction, so get connected into a support group. Please check out the links I'll post in the show notes to find a CSAT certified practitioner or book a call with Kyleen to find out what your next steps can be. Recovery is possible. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, the course is 50% off. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I do read all the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, and for how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. This podcast is produced by Team Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.